0: To the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number one hundred and eighty-one, and joining me for the show is my co-host Pontus Bockman. Всем привет. Hey Sam, hey Sam.
1: Yes, it's true. I am back <laughs> again. I was away, and then I was
0: back, and then so, I was p- away again. <laughs> Pontus back, Andrés is away. Andrés back, Pontus is away. It's yeah, a bit yeah, yeah. like a, a game of I don't know Thrones.
1: <laughs> Maybe people no. are starting to play a game at home, saying ma- making bets. I wonder which two or which one or which three will appear on the show this week. But yeah. uh, congratulations for everybody who bet on uh, Jelena and myself. You won. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. It's okay. been uh, yeah, it's been difficult to coordinate this week. Yeah, the time difference is crazy.
1: It is, it is. So it's early morning for you now, Jelena, and for me it's yeah. uh, early evening, late afternoon. But yeah. uh, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, we can do it. <laughs> except, <laughs> except for Andras, of course, who is uh, doing proper stuff, n- namely earning money for himself. I hope. I hope he's getting paid. We of course are just doing this um, for no money at all because we are a bit crazy so yeah
0: well for the for, for the occasional contribution of our listeners for which we're very grateful anyone who still would like to support our show they can go onto our website which is the ESP.eu, and there's a donate button there and you can choose your amount a mm-hmm. dollar, two dollars three dollars or is it all all in euros? I live in a dollar land now.
1: I believe if you donate on um, PayPal, it is in euros, but if you go to Patreon, then it's uh, dollars for some reason, because they are Uh. American-centric, I believe.
0: Ah, okay, well, there
1: you go. Yeah, we're not, I mean, we take any kind of money you have. No, no, we don't.
0: And let's be honest, the dollar is getting stronger for some reason, and yeah.
1: How's the ruble doing these days? It's a very good question.
0: (laughs) I have no idea. Send
1: um, us send us a couple of rubles, please, their listeners, and we will see what conversion rate we get.
0: I'm just looking now because I'm nosy. Um, so one, okay, you get for one dollar. I'm I'm talking about dollars, I guess.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, you get sixty three rubles. Okay. And if it's a euro, euro, you get uh, seventy and a half euros for uh, seventeen and a half rubles for a do, for a euro.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So um, so, don't
1: bother with the rubles then. Just send us the euros and, yeah. the, <laughs> and the dollars. <laughs> but seriously, if you want to go to Patreon slash DESP and, and uh, donate uh, or commit to, to send us a dollar or so for every episode, we would really uh, appreciate it very much. And thank you very much to the ones who are already doing so. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking about uh, housekeeping and a little bit about uh, the show from a technical point of view, I don't remember if we mentioned it, but since about a month or so, you can also listen to the ESP on Spotify. So we're on Spotify. Yes, very exciting. I have one of these uh, Google Home machines. So I can I've tested that uh, I I can say I shouldn't say that on radio right because it may trigger somebody's uh, machine but I say the magic word and then you say play the European Skeptics podcast and it works <laughs> it really does
0: we are on Spotify my
1: family was very impressed
0: I have to say I do listen to Spotify more than anything else like if I'm listening to the music or whatever mm-hmm. Spotify is always. I I do have a couple of podcasts that I'm following on Spotify only because not every single podcast is on Spotify. It's a special, you know, you have to set it up specially.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. It wasn't that straightforward. It it took me a couple of weeks um, emailing back and forth with the support until, and I don't know, I still don't think I did anything wrong. They just said, oh, we fixed it. So, so (laughs) it's fixed. Very good.
0: Okie dokie. So, time flies and I, gosh, uh, it seems like yesterday we talked about the Fringe and maybe going to Edinburgh for the um, sceptics on the Fringe and the, uh, all the entertainment. And the Fringe is back again. They're starting on August the 3rd. Is, is it right, uh, Pontos?
1: Yes, absolutely. For 23 nights in a row, or 23 days in a row, they have yeah. uh, events, and sometimes it's more than one. In, in and, and they're all now on uh, our calendar at uh, the ESP.eu. Click on events in Europe, and you can see all of that.
0: They have a wonderful calendar already uh, prepared for the Skeptics on the Fringe 2019. And it's on their website, uk forward slash 2019. You can see who's going to be talking every day, sometimes several times a day. And attend the one the talk you like, or if you're there for other events like comedy and things like that, uh, you can coordinate the two. It's an amazing job as always. Um, oh, I can see they <laughs> uh, they got Richard Wiseman in. That's pretty. Richard Weisman is there. Caroline Wolfe yeah. is there. I'm really sad that I'm not going to be there because last year I was kind of getting myself for uh, myself excited and pumped up about going there and even maybe camping just because the hotels during the fringe. Mm, yeah. Are so expensive. But obviously moving to America made it almost impossible. <laughs> for the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For this year anyways. But yes, please do enjoy. Do we so Pontus, do we know if Annika going? I don't think Those? so. No,
1: no, no. She is working. She is. Okay. Yeah.
0: Mm. Alright. Mm-hmm. And then also, not long to go until the European Skeptics Congress, which Yay. is happening in September.
1: Yes. I'm starting to pack my bags already. Uh, mm-hmm. my microphone and excitingly andras and i will actually share hotel room because it's cheaper <laughs> we'll see yeah. how that ends up no I,
0: <laughs> no I understand that's that's fair enough um so you've you've booked uh you've booked flight already and everything
1: yeah, yeah 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 i wouldn't miss it for the world
0: yeah i'll be very jealous yeah i'm sure you'll have a great time uh yeah. just remind the dates again
1: Yeah, actually, it starts unofficially already on the 29th of August with a Skeptics in the Pub in Brussels, which is not where the actual conference is going to be. So on the Thursday, 29th, there is a warming up sort of in the Skeptics in the Pub in Brussels. And then there's a train going to, to Ghent where the actual conference starts. There is a social gathering, I believe, in the evening on the 29th, and then it starts on Friday, and mm-hmm. it ends on uh, it ends on the Sunday after lunch. So that's the first of September. So it's uh, several
0: days. Mm. Do attend if you can, and we'll crack on with the show. I think. Mm-hmm, Yeah. All right, and I shall begin with this week in skepticism. Okay. So great name today. I love that Mm -hmm. name. Um, Somebody who was born on the 1st of August 1744. Name is Jean-Baptiste Pierre-Antoine de Monet Chevalier de la
1: Marque.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Olé. Very good. It's quite a name. I'm just like, Quite a mouthful. And I don't even get a bloody middle name, you know?
1: No, I'm sure that the only person who used his full name was his mother when she was really (laughs) mad at him. (laughs) <laughs> anyways
0: by the way he lived to a very ripe old age of 85 that's pretty good anyway yeah. mm-hmm. and he, he is actually often known simply by his name Lamarck the last part of it yeah he was a French naturalist and biologist and academic actually way before Darwin came mm-hmm. along and everybody else who thought about the idea he was one uh, of the not one of but he is believed to be the first. Who envisioned evolutionary change for the first time? Yeah. He didn't get it right though, because, well, I guess it's hard to get these kind of ideas right first time, right? He just observed the nature and uh, he was very, he started off as a botanist. He even um, became a founding professor of the, of the Musée National de Historie Naturelle as an expert on vertebrates, invertebrates, sorry. He classified worms, spiders, mollusks and other boneless creatures, and his work was uh, way ahead of uh, the time. He was very fascinated by all things, all life creatures, and studied animals for a while, and uh, noticed how similar animals are to each other. So he kind of deducted that there must be some sort of a change that happens over time. And of course, he um, uh, looked at the fossil records, um, of which they had plenty of by that point, Anyway, so, but what he didn't get quite right is that he believed that evolution works like a gym. (laughs) So (laughs) you, uh, yeah. So so if you exercise uh, an organ, organism uh, by subjecting it to hardship, it will respond, uh, producing um, an offspring uh, that are better at coping with this hardship. And that's not the case as we know. So, for example, he was talking about giraffes you know, the, the long necks of giraffes. Mm, so the yeah. giraffes had developed the long neck because they stretched the neck trying to reach the leaves but um, but that's not how evolution, we now know that's not how evolution works, it works more as a sieve so the the strongest and the fittest species survive and they produce offsprings that are similar to themselves etc 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 so giraffes with longer necks originally would survive those with the shorter necks and then those longer necks would procreate and if there's another sort of uh, generation of giraffes with even longer necks etc so we now of course know
1: yeah, we now understand it, but it's yeah. not—it's not a bad idea he had, especially if you consider that well, they didn't know anything about DNA no. or genes or how things are getting inherited from from generation to generation. Yeah. So it, it was a reasonable yeah. idea. It was wrong, but it was reasonable.
0: But in a way, that was kind of the first stepping stone from which Darwin then um, sure. did all his uh, work from. Yeah. And you know, who's to say that maybe without him. Maybe we wouldn't even gotten that far in uh, thinking about evolution, but I think it's a pretty extraordinary thought, an idea that occurred to him all those years ago. However, inaccurate it was at the time, and that's the beauty of science: it evolves uh, with more evidence, yeah, uh, with <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, with more evidence and observation, and of course, it takes time mm. to develop theories. Yeah. Um. So there we go. Well done, uh, Lamarck. I just wanted to mention him because I think it's great.
1: Yeah, but also a last point there is that it illustrates and it proves that Darwin wasn't the first person who'd thought about yeah. evolution. It's yeah. just that Lamarck, the, the mechanism's wrong, but it's ob- it was obvious to more people than just Darwin that animals are evolving in some way and changing over time.
0: Yes, and of course uh, Darwin was born sixty odd years later, so it's, mm, yeah. it, it was a very quick process. Like it's not, you know, mm. it didn't take that long. Next generation, but yes, we um, we might have not have been here, but there you go. Good. All right, so we can now move on to the rest of the show and talk about how Pontus pokes the Pope.
1: All right. Yes. This is going to be... It's been a while since I really talked about uh, Francis himself. I've been talking about the Catholic Church as a whole quite a bit. But now we're back to talking about Francis. When your organization keeps being rightfully attacked for immoral or and illegal practices, you should investigate those accusations, of course. I, I think everybody agrees. And you try to yeah. get rid of them. But if you're more concerned with the bad publicity then the actual problem, what do you do? I think Pope Francie, Pope Francie? <laughs> <laughs> I think the Pope has not understood that the actual problem is not the PR angle. It is actually about his organization itself. They are supposed mm. to be the good guys, right? And, and I, I'm sure that they see themselves as the good guys as well. But they do have a big PR problem. So PR is about words and words can be twisted like we see in uh, George Orwell, uh, the famous novel 1984. So if you're accused of abuse, you can redefine what abuse really means. And that's mm. what's happening now. Frankie recently gave a talk in Argentina where he visited a local organization with actually such a long name that I can hardly read it. It's, the acronym is SEPROME which in translation stands for, and brace yourself, Interdisciplinary Research and Formation for the Protection of Minors. (sighs) But it is about protecting children, really. Frankie said that children must be protected, and that's a good start, right? He said Mm -hmm. we must make sure that, quote, no one, not a single person, abuses them, the children, and still good. And, he continued, that no one might keep them from coming to Jesus. So what he's doing is he's redefining the word abuse to include keeping them from the faith. And he's not totally ignoring the sex abuse, but he's trying to tone that down. And he wants to shift away the focus from the sex scandals by widening the meaning of the word. So he went on to say, and I quote again, You never know where a child will be abused. Well, actually, we know. But okay, he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, And I continue. Where he will be driven off the path, where he'll be taught to do drugs, which is a way of corruption. Let's not think only about sexual abuse. Any kind of abuse should be prevented. So protection of the minors, my foot, forcing kids into religion at such a small age that they don't know what they're doing. That's not protection. And abusing children, should we should keep that word. When it comes to the Catholic Church, we should keep on using that word for what is actually the problem here when, when it, we talk about sexual abuse. Keeping children from being indoctrinated into Catholic faith is not abuse, in my p- opinion. It actually could be a very good thing. But that's, of course, where we disagree, uh, Frankie and myself. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to watch out for this, because I'm sure that he will start using the word abuse more and more to mean a lot of other stuff than actually the scandals that the Catholic Church is uh, accused of.
0: Yep. Well, he's got to uh, keep the business running, so whatever (laughs) helps. Yeah, I wonder if we'll ever find out how much money the Catholic Church has.
1: (laughs) Well, as we say, they don't know themselves, so how, Mm -hmm. how can we ever... They don't know.
0: Well, they say they don't know.
1: I, I believe them, actually, because you should never <laughs> assign to malice things that can be easily assigned to just being uh, incompetent and uh, <laughs> too mm. rich for your own good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They
1: have, they don't have to count the money because there's always more.
0: Mm. Mm. It's true. Okay, so uh, we are now going to talk about a few things we picked up this week, news-wise. We start with... Bontus.
1: Yep. So we go to Sweden in this first news item. In August last year, in episode 134, we reported on the fact that EU has classified the use of CRISPR as GMO. So CRISPR is the technique where you go in and you can edit the genes in, in an organism. And it is a bit separate from GMO, where you can actually add DNA from another species into the the DNA, but with CRISPR you only switch on or switch off genes that are already there. So, last year EU classified the use of CRISPR as being the same as GMO, and we know that EU has a very negative stance on GMO, so it's basically more or less forbidden. You can't really uh, f- do a m- lot of research and you can definitely not sell food that has been GMO uh, treated or what? what's the word that has been altered by using GMO. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm not that worried about GMO, which stands for genetically modified food as a technique in itself. But there is a difference here with the CRISPR technique. As I said, you're not adding anything new. You're just switching existing genes off and on. And people find that scary too, I guess. But you're not talking about adding frog genes to tomatoes, which I don't think there's any good idea in in the first place. (laughs) So this doesn't make sense. And the EU classification of CRISPR as GMO was criticized at the time. And now a number of university leaders in Sweden have also joined into that criticism and sent a letter to the Swedish government to challenge this ruling by the EU. The people who signed this letter argue that it's been established for a long time that the technique of CRISPR is safe and that the rules and regulations are about 15 years behind the science. And also positively, the reply from the Swedish Department of Agriculture is uh, uh, good. A representative there says that the EU ruling is not logical and points out that two genetically identical crops, for instance, one produced by CRISPR and one with traditional selective breeding, would be treated differently. And that's nonsense. I mean, if it's the same, it's the same, right? It doesn't matter how you arrived to where you are. But the CRISPR one would still be banned for no reason. Unfortunately, the position of the department is, and I guess it has to be, that Sweden cannot overrule an EU regulation, but has to follow it. Still, they welcome the message of the signed letter and hope that it will help to get a change in the EU rules. So um,
0: maybe, maybe, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to just mention something quickly. I lived in the EU most of my life. Mm-hmm. So first in Latvia and then uh, in England. And, um, of course, I've, I'm aware of GMO and how polarizing this issue became lately for no apparent reason, because actually we've modified everything we eat for years. And, uh, like, you know, take, for example, a tomato or a banana, all of these things, they were never found in the wild, uh, before, right? we've, we've, we've made them what they are. Absolutely, But anyways, yeah. all of a sudden, everybody decided that that's all bad things and um, lots of fear-mongering, whatever. But in Europe, still, it's a relatively non-issue issue, even though we do talk about it sometimes. But in America, whew, every single respectable supermarket will state on their packaging that it's a non-GMO product. If they wanted to be sold <laughs> to the general public, <laughs> yeah, yeah. because every single person here is bought into the idea that GMO are evil, yes. and it's it's not even debatable. Mm. So if, if there is no stamp uh, that it's not non-GMO, that, that these products can be sold cheaper, and um, people, I'm sure they're probably afraid of buying them or something. I don't know. And uh, I've I've been to a few supermarkets now because I thought, okay, well, when I first went here, I'm like. That's probably the that kind of supermarket, you know, one of those all organic, blah, 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 yeah. uh, artisan things. But no, every single supermarket, big or small, they're all the they same. All, yeah, yeah, they all jumped on this GMO bandwagon. And um, it seemed to be America's in consensus that uh, it's a very bad thing indeed. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm yet to speak to anyone about this issue seriously. For example, like, you know, to, just to, to my neighbors and say, hey, what do you think about GMO? Just yeah. to see what people actually think. I think that, that they're generally afraid of it <laughs> without yeah. realizing what it is. But I understand. It, it It can sound
1: scary. You go in and manipulate the, the genes of an organism and it, you make it do something it wasn't supposed to do. But it's just... You know, it sounds scary, but it's no worse. It's actually better than just trying to evolve something by selecting the traits that you want from one generation to another. First of all, it takes a long time and there's no guarantee that you know what you're doing and eventually you will get things that you didn't select for that just came along for the ride. I think that also the difference is in Europe, GMO doesn't really exist you don't have to be if you're worried you don't have to be worried about buying GMO food in the stores because it's not allowed to sell them so I think that's why you don't see a bigger debate in, in Europe
0: I, I kind of thought kind of make it the bigger point of, of the fact that everything we eat was modified genetically modified Yeah. whether you put a stamp on it or not do you know what I mean? Like.
1: yes I agree I agree
0: The the strawberries, the um, the like vegetables, every single thing.
1: I think nothing you can find in the store is like it sort of well, quote unquote, are supposed to be. We we've modified it over thousands of years to suit us. Wild apples are small and very sour, and there's not a lot of food on it. So we have selectively them to be much more to yeah. our liking and yeah. and gmo is just another way of doing that and you can do other things with it things that you cannot do with just selective breeding you can select for traits so that you don't need to use uh, pesticides for instance
0: yeah that golden yeah. rice that was uh, that was yes. a savior of literally hundreds of thousands of people if if we didn't come up with the idea of getting the vi- necessary vitamins and nutrients in the rice for for the people mm. then yeah the, the other option would be for them yeah. to die from unnecessary illnesses anyways so yeah in facebook news now well actually it's it's a joint piece between facebook and youtube i think overall across the social media platform People are starting to get excited about how easy it is to promote quackery. (laughs) (sighs) Shocker. And various treatments. I picked up this article from uh, Edzard Ernst website, a blog that we use quite often, he talks about uh, specifically bogus cancer treatments and how they've been advertised on Facebook, as well as actually YouTube uh, channel uh, by various people who actually make a lot of money by doing that. So they uh, gather the followings uh, of the people, explain how they, they cured themselves by drinking fruit or vegetable juice, encouraging people to give up conventional medicine, and the way they make money, so one one guy on YouTube um, said that he would provide a consultation, like an audio consultation, and he'd charge like $175 for it or something like that. Good money. <laughs> and, uh, and another person was um, selling a soda-based so-called medicine to cure cancer as well, like a natural medicine. Well, if there was anything that soda could could ever resolve is the problem with your baking but not anything to do with cancer
1: <laughs> yeah
0: again so this this guy actually got caught for scamming people out of their money because that was just a pure nonsense but he made millions of dollars a year before he got caught and then of course yes he he was arrested he was convicted he did go to jail for a very short time he came out and he started doing exact same thing again just yeah. because of how easy it is to propagate these things on on the s- social media now Now they're trying to crack down on this, and uh, YouTube was very (laughs) vague. Their statement says, and I quote, misinformation is a difficult challenge, and any misinformation on medical topics is especially concerning. We've taken a number of steps to address this, including surfacing more authoritative content across our site. Our systems are not perfect, but we've seen progress within this space. So they've acknowledged that there is an issue, And they vaguely said that they're looking into trying to resolve it. But Facebook, on the other hand, decided to treat these claims as a spam. So if you post something on Facebook and it has a certain combination of words, of course, they're using AI to spot the words combinations that are normally used in a bogus claim. And then those posts will be classified as spam and downranked so that they would be harder to find. Again, whenever, whenever there is a program written like this, you know, that the, the AI gets involved, <laughs> things will, things yeah. will go, <laughs> potentially go way wrong. But, you know, I guess they have to start somewhere. So that's how Facebook decided to deal with this. We'll, we'll see how effectively it is done. But by the way, on this note, because it's kind of all about educating people in the first place so they don't fall prey for, for stuff like that, right? Fake health cures. Yeah. In the previous yeah. episode, there was a great interview with Sander van der Linden yeah. about pre-banking.
1: Yes, it was a very good episode. Uh, we can say that because uh, Andras was doing it and he's not here now. But <laughs> well done, Andras. It was a good interview. And it was very interesting to hear about this uh, pre-bunking concept.
0: And so basically what really we should be aiming to do is to get people educated so that they don't fall prey for fake news, right? And bad news. And uh, they're able to recognize these things better so that we don't have to then do the debunking after they've read it and believed it, which makes total sense.
1: Yeah, that's much harder to do it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I know that Facebook, and this is what it feels to me like, I know that Facebook and YouTube are going to do all these things, but the the problem still remains. There'll be people who just don't have the right information or are not capable to recognize the bad news, the fake claims. And you can can put all these protections in place, but, you know, things will always uh, escape through the net. And actually, all these things will make it even more legit because people will be saying, oh, look at this, you know, the establishment. <laughs> how how did it happen that Facebook became the establishment? But anyway.
1: <laughs> I, I have a follow up news also about Facebook, very related to what you just talked about. I and mean, it illustrate how hard it can be, because I suspect and I'm speculating a little bit in this news item, but. There is. I saw a post about an anti-vaxxer group. The largest group of anti-vaxxers on Mm -hmm. Facebook was going to be shut down and banned and deleted because of Facebook's new rules about spreading misinformation. And this group is called Stop Mandatory Vaccination. And the news itself comes from the leader of the group, a guy called Larry Cook. Right. So on Monday, 22nd of July, he posted on the group, who has over 160,000 members, Mm -hmm. a long post that said that the group had received warnings that he was trying to appeal without success. And he says it's now certain that they will be shut down and everybody should instead join his other two channels, which is two other different groups, plus an email list. But however, now as we record this almost a week later, the original group is still there and running. There are hundreds of new posts every day, and there are no other sources to the claim that they would be shut down. And I can't help wondering if he just invented the threat of being shut uh. down to get people to sign up on the other groups. Mm, potentially. So there's no no protection you can implement that you can't use from the other side. And also it illustrates... How hopeless it is if they shut down one group. If they, even if they do shut yeah. down one group, then you just create a number of other groups. And and if you were Facebook trying to keep this in check, you would always be one step behind. Yeah. But also, it can be used as a propaganda thing, saying, yeah.
0: "Oh my God, we are being persecuted,"
1: yeah. and everybody believes yeah. that.
0: It's a great marketing tool. So, I mean, there is an argument to be made. There is never going to be a platform as big as Facebook, but. The truth of the matter is, and I've seen it somewhere else actually as well, is what happening is all these fringe activities. I'm not only talking actually about people who want to spread misinformation, the radical groups, whatever, just anything that doesn't fall in line with the way Facebook wants to think. All these fringe activities are now looking for platforms and ways of making themselves functioning, to function outside of Facebook. And... I'm sure it's not going to be long enough before we'll see the emergence of real competition to Facebook on several other platforms because of yeah. the fact that yeah. um, a lot of disenfranchised people, groups, being either banned or just abandoning Facebook just because of how rigid the rules are on certain things. And <laughs> and that become the fall of Facebook in a way. So it's an interesting path. We'll see. Yeah,
1: it is. Right. Okay. Speaking of (laughs) anti-vaxxers, the next news item is from Italy and it's a follow-up again on our continuing story about how low vaccination rates are still a big problem in the world and also in Italy. There are news from the Italian Ministry of Health, which shows that even if the situation has improved slightly from 2017, the vaccination rates for 2018 are still too low. The MMR vaccination uh, rates against measles, mumps and rubella is still below the required 95%. And in some regions, it's even down to around 90%, which explains why they have a problem with measles outbreaks. Because you need to be above 95% when it comes to measles because it's so contagious. Uh, We've talked about Italy before as well on how the authorities have a very complex attitude with vaccinations. First, they introduced mandatory vaccinations for children. I think that was early last year. Mm. But then there was a change in the government. And even if they kept the compulsory vaccinations, they stopped issuing certificates for getting the vaccinations. So you couldn't prove that you had had your vaccination. And that meant that there is no longer any way to enforce the rules for the schools. So they can't, if you have just have to rely on, they ask you, is your child vaccinated? And if you say yes, they cannot ask for a certificate because they are no longer issued. So that's not a fantastic strategy. It's not just about measles either when it comes to vaccination rates. In the Bolzano region up north, where the vaccination resistance is especially high, even polio vaccination is only around 83%. And uh, that's really bad. I mean, polio is not fully gone from this globe. There is, uh, I think there were 33 cases last year in the world, and it's a horrible disease. And it's, it's so close to being made extinct that if we could just get everybody to vaccinate, it would very, very soon go away. But there is resistance all over the world. Mm. Yep. So that's bad news, but it goes hand in hand with what we see when it comes to measles epidemic again uh, vaccination rates are not as high as they should be and we're not making a lot of progress as we mentioned i believe it was two episodes ago yeah
0: and i wonder if there's ever going to be a time where the anti-vaccination groups will go yeah that was our fault
1: (laughs) no that will not happen never never
0: ah we're so bad at admitting that we did something wrong In the best Mm. of times, never mind Mm. when something is huge Mm. that's literally affecting life of kids. Anyway, on to the next thing. So that was the, um, uh, the news that we kind of selected this week. Let's move on to the really wrong segment. Is it the really wrong one this week, Pontus?
1: This time it is a really wrong, yes.
0: Yes, okay, really wrong it is.
1: Yeah, it is a really wrong and a bit difficult one, and tragic, and and perhaps I I had to think if I had if I should do this or not. But I think I have to because of the possible harm that it will do to others. The UK model Carrie Parker has won the title Miss UK several times, and earlier this year she was crowned Miss Europe. I wonder if that's the last time a UK contestant can do that if we have a Brexit situation. I don't know. Any case, back in 2013, Carrie Parker was diagnosed with a brain tumor, which was successfully treated by surgery, chemo and radiotherapy. Unfortunately, the cancer re-emerged last year, and even more sadly, this time she has opted not to go with a conventional treatment that saved her the last time. And that's bad enough. I guess it's her choice, even if it's really, really ill-advised. So this is a personal tragedy on some level, but on another level, it's very, very dangerous and it sends a dangerous message to the the world and her followers. Apart from the obvious likelihood that she actually will die, uh, I hope not, but I mean, that's very, very likely since she's not taking her treatments. She is now going public saying that she has turned the cancer around by using cannabis oil. And we hear this a lot. Cannabis oil is supposed to do wonders for cancer. And I'm not a doctor. But as far as I understand, it's more about relieving the symptoms of either the cancer or the treatment you go through. It's not about actually curing the actual disease. But she claims it is. And uh, she also calls herself a nutritionist and believes that uh, modern medicine is evil and that doctors are hiding the quote unquote truth from the world. And that they're suppressing the so-called natural treatments that she thinks is out there. She claims now that her cancer has shrunk in half, whatever that means. And she says her brain is, quote unquote, the best it's ever been. Well, I don't know even what that means either. So (laughs) during a month of cannabis treatment, she apparently lost weight down to a UK size zero. Do you know what that is? That sounds like being very, very skinny. Very,
0: very thin. I mean, um, I was UK size 12, between 12 and 14, and I'm not fat. Wow. So somebody slim would be size 8 to 10. So that's going to be like a, let's say, if you're a model, you'd probably be between 8 and 6. So that's... Mm beyond that's that's a very much uh, I'm, I'm assuming she was mean? just bones and skin yeah
1: yeah it's like she she could she could hide behind a, a lamppost probably mm. uh, so th- that leads me to think that she basically i don't think that's the actually cannabis doing that to you it's probably that she didn't eat anything at all she just took the cannabis treatment i don't know but it doesn't sound very healthy to me also of course I understand that real cancer treatment, uh, radiotherapy, etc., is brutal and terrible to go through. And it's very possible that she just refused to face the fact that she would have to go through that again. And I understand that. Because before she started promoting the cannabis cure, she started a funding campaign to send her to a Mexican clinic to, quote, save her life. Oh, have we heard about Mexican clinics before?
0: Don't don't mention, yeah, as soon as you say that...
1: Yeah, that's a little, Oh, I really would challenge anybody to come back and point to somebody saying I took a Mexican cancer cure two years ago and now I'm still alive and healthy. I don't think that person exists, really. The, the, these are unproven treatments, they are dangerous, they are very painful, often I've heard. And it costs a fortune. I mean, we're talking, you have to have a crowdfunding thing about a million euros or something just to go through it. Yeah. Bad move. Don't do that. Mm. And I don't know if she she went there or not, because I can only see that she was asking people to donate money. Uh, But if she did, maybe she got wind of the cannabis angle at the clinic. But anyway, that doesn't matter. The Problem is that she's now spreading this crazy message on Facebook and Twitter and in the Daily Mail and the Mirror and other uh, outlets like that who doesn't really concern themselves too much with what they're doing. And this can get uh, terrible consequences if her followers and her fans take uh, her advice.
0: We've got to start telling people it's okay to follow people and be admirers of their work. If their work is modeling, that's great. Just admire their face and body. But we should Mm -hmm. start telling them that it's not okay to listen to any of the life advice they give.
2: Or medical advice.
0: Anything. That's not their qualifications. What does it even have to do with anything? Why all of a sudden celebrities became specialists in anything? other than their own field if you're an actor that's acting if you're a model that's modeling if you're a painter that's painting like
1: yeah yeah i think that's a common trap and i think it's both the fans and the actual celebrity who falls into the trap the celebrity falls into the trap hearing all the time how fantastic they are Mm. in their field Mm. and whatever Mm. And uh, they start to believe that they can do anything. And the fans, they just uh, admire a person. So they naturally, well, not naturally, but it is natural to fall into the idea that that person can do nothing wrong, which is why I have to listen to everything they have to say. Mm. I think it's just human nature, but it's really dangerous.
0: Yep. Yeah, we just need to um, remind ourselves that we fall into these traps all the time and not to be fooled. Don't get fooled again. No, no, no.
1: Right. Yep. So to wrap it up, tragically, and still hoping that she will somehow be okay, because I'm not a monster, I must still call Carrie Parker out for being really wrong for the terrible damage she's doing by promoting her nonsense and her ideas about curing cancer.
0: All right. Well, I think that's it for the show, unless you've got something else to add, Pontus.
1: No, but I'm eagerly waiting for you to give me a quote.
0: <laughs> I shall give people a quote. I've got a quote from George Orwell. Did you know the judge's Orwell name is Eric Arthur Blair?
1: Oh. I may have known that a long time ago and forgotten about it. It sounds familiar, but I wasn't aware of it now, no.
0: Anyway, I've just... There uh, you go. I've learned about this today. Um, Who was an English novelist, of course. He wrote two books that I have... One of the most famous books that I have never read that are now on my list is 1984 and The Animal Farm. Anyways, so he said, We are all capable of believing things which we know to be untrue. And then, when we are finally proved wrong impudently twisting the facts so as to show that we were right hmm. now that's very a very poignant qu- quote uh, referring back to the anti-vaccination movement but anyways yeah, there you go
1: and even to what I said about uh, Pope Francis earlier in the episode <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> twisting true. words getting words to mean the opposite of what they really mean or at least something different I think we're seeing that a lot and unfortunately it works
0: yeah. alrighty I think that's it. That's it. Hopefully we'll be all back together soon.
1: Soon. <laughs> we make no promises, but uh, soon.
0: No, 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 no. Not at this stage in our life. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's been a uh, great doing a show with you, Pontus. Likewise. See you later. Bye-bye. Пока-пока.
2: If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Kisha J. Gray and George Rupp and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu. follow us on Twitter at espodcast.eu and like us on Facebook.
0: I don't know how you can be believe Joining me today for my show <laughs> <laughs> Don't improvise This my show
1: <laughs> Alfred <laughs> Never mind I'll, I'll just skip it, I can't say it Okay hmm? So <laughs> what was that
0: I think I think my cat agrees with you <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs>